The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that He might destroy the works of the devil. What was His purpose in coming? It was to destroy the works of the devil. John, the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10 says this, The thief, talking about Satan or the devil, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus, came that they might have life and to have that life more abundantly. The Lord Jesus Christ came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. He also came to destroy the works of the devil. Those two work hand in glove. When the enemy gets rooted out of your life, and we're not just talking about demon spirits, we're going to identify their character, their activity, their personality, what they do tonight, but we're talking about the mindset, the thinking patterns, the ways of doing things that the enemy has influenced us through media, on TV, through role modeling, through a number of other things, including religion. Religion will send more people to hell than witchcraft. Because people think they're right with God versus when they're out doing the wrong things, they know that they're not doing right. But you can sit in church and the devil can sit next to you on the pew and sing Amazing Grace better than you can. Trust me. Hold on. Lucifer was over worship in heaven, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Trust me, the enemy knows about music. Yes, he does. Have you ever seen one of our wonderful Christian worship leaders in churches of America as they're raised up with a fabulous voice? They can pierce the heavenlies and bring the anointing of God. Somehow start to get monetized. Money comes in. Somebody desires to promote them for God's purpose. The next thing you know, they become these icons overnight. And now they're sliding out singing some secular music. Then all of a sudden you see pictures of them on People Magazine and the Inquirer. Not that you read those. (laughs) But what happens is, you find that they're now on drugs and they're in multiple relationships. They're doing everything contrary to the Word of God, but when they get their award, what do they say? Thank you, God. I want to give God the glory. Tell me that's not deception. Which God were they talking about? The God of the Bible who is holy, who is other, who is separate, who is righteous, who is full of love, joy, and peace? Or the God of riotous living? Just a thought to ponder Because Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. Here's what also is interesting. When you see one of those people that grew up in the church with a tremendous gift from heaven to usher in the presence of God when they get off track with their spiritual gift from God that's irrevocable, Romans 11.29 says, the gifts and the calling of God, they are irrevocable. They are without repentance. Once you get it, You're going to keep it. What you use it for is another question. Are you building His kingdom? Or are you building your own? Are you serving the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Are you serving me, myself, and I? Are you bringing attention to the unseen one? Or is it all about you? The difference between a worship leader 
and an entertainer is this. A worship leader enables people to enter in to God's presence. A true worship leader will usher in the presence of God. Over a period of a few minutes, you won't see the worship leader anymore when they're doing their job. They disappear and you begin to see the one who's unseen. That's when you know they are operating in their gift in a proper way. Versus an entertainer will actually keep you from entering into the presence of God and your eyes will be upon him or her or upon the Doughboys Quartet and a goldfish swallowing contest. <laughs> when people see you, do you disappear at one point and they see the one who is unseen? Do you represent Christ by representing Him? Or is it your charisma that keeps their rapt attention? Tertullius in the book of Acts was an orator. Paul, on the other hand, presented Jesus. The difference was people got saved, healed, redeemed, set free, and demons were cast out as people were miraculously set free. Did you know that Jesus spent nearly 25% of his earthly ministry casting out demons and healing the sick? Interesting statistic. 25% of his three and a half year ministry was spent casting out demons and healing the sick. Most Bible scholars agree that the gospel accounts of Jesus' ministry reveal one-fourth of the Son of God's ministry was spent in dealing with sickness, and with demons, you know they go hand in glove. Thou spirit of infirmity. Thou deaf and dumb spirit. This woman whom Satan hath bound has been loosed from this infirmity. Spirit of blindness. It goes on and on and on. Now is every sickness a demon? Absolutely not. But if you have the ministry to heal the sick, you will run into demons. And what are you going to do when you run into one? Give it an aspirin? Are you going to counsel the demon out? Or are you going to do what Jesus did? He cast out demons with his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Jesus spent one-fourth of his ministry in dealing with sickness and demons, casting them out of God-fearing people in a religious community. Well, David, are you saying a person can have a, a Christian can have a demon? I'm not only saying a Christian can have one if they want one. Amen. You can have an anointing too if you want one. Right. It depends on what you seek. Right. Christian can have a demon, but guess what? A demon can also have a Christian if they're not careful. Right. You know, I've gone to cast demons out of people, and they're like, "Oh no, I don't want that one to go. I like that one." <laughs> I've actually cast demons. I was young in the Lord. Cast seven demons out of this guy one time in a prison setting. He sees me about five days later. I'm coming in back from uh, work and he says, oh, Brother David, can I talk to you? I'm like, uh, sure, what's going on? He says, you know, you know when you, uh, you prayed for me the other day and you started naming those, those things? I said, demons? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He says, and you started naming, you, you named murder? I'm like, yeah, he goes, boy, am I glad that's gone. He said, anger? I'm like, yeah. And he started naming the spirits. Well, he got to one, and he said, you know, 
things aren't the same since that one's gone. And I said, what do you mean it's not, well, things just aren't the same. And I said to him, well, what do you mean? He said, do you think if I prayed to God, he'd let me have that one back? And I was young in the Lord. <laughs> Didn't have as much grace, as much wisdom. <laughs> and I'm not saying what I did was right. <laughs> but I will tell you <laughs> that I told him, not only do you not have to pray to God to get that back since he didn't give it to you, you just pray to Satan who gave it to you to start with, and he'll not only give it back to you, but it will come with seven more wicked than themselves. And what you think is personal activity will become public activity in this setting, and you'll be doing things that you never even thought of. it quite as clean as that. Anyway, he no longer came to church after that. He went back into some activity, and the next thing you know, he was into some public activity that was so bad. Now, I'm not saying that's the thing you should say to people. I think you should warn people and gracefully pull them out of that, not errantly as a young Christian prophesy something like that into existence because you see it as a possibility. You need to come against it and replace it. Me as a young believer, I just did what I did. I was about a year and a half old in Christ. So we're either good role models or horrible warnings. And in this situation, hopefully I've been both. Let me role model and show you what a horrible warning I was. But here's the point. Some people don't want to let go of their devils because they bring certain pleasures. Some people love the spirit of unforgiveness. Some people love the spirit of you fill in the blank. If you don't think Christians can have demons, maybe their computers can. I don't think the Holy Spirit inspired them to click there. Maybe your phone does have a demon. Maybe your radio has a demon. Otherwise, it wouldn't be playing that music for you. Or maybe you played it. Thought to ponder. In the book of Acts, a convert named Philip is just one example of a believer who also cast out demons and healed the sick. Why do I bring up Philip? Because A, he wasn't Jesus. B, he wasn't one of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. C, he wasn't one of the seventy who was given authority to cast out demons by Jesus. Philip was a convert. Scripture goes on to say these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will avoid the subject of demons. <laughs> Are you representing Christ? For this cause was the Son of God made manifest. For this purpose, the Son of God appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Apostle Paul said that the Corinthian church was not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. The devil's ability to keep you in bondage is in direct relation to his ability to keep you and me ignorant. Deliverance comes by faith and grace. Faith comes by hearing. Tonight we're going to hear some things 
and we're going to find that the Bible says a whole lot more about demons than people are willing to preach or teach about. Now, we don't want to get out of balance on this subject, but I think we've been out of balance the other direction on this subject. And this I want to preface by saying, I believe there are different ways you catch a mouse. You can catch them with rat poison. You can catch them with mouse traps. You can catch them with a ball-peen hammer. As long as you get them, that's good, right? Okay. Or you can play a high-pitched sound and the rats will leave the house. I don't care how you do it as long as you get it done. Because God's looking to fill your house with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes He'll fill the house with the Holy Spirit and the demons will leave. Sometimes He'll cast out the demons and He'll come in now that they're gone. Scripture says these signs will follow them that believe. Not the first century apostles. Not the first century prophets. Not those that have been to seminary school and graduated. Ah, magna cum laude. But those that believe. Believe who? Believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Good, you're qualified to cast out devils. For these signs will follow them that believe. Mark chapter 16, verses 15, reading on to 20. The words of Jesus. These signs will follow you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you. you. Now turn to him again and say, do you believe? Do you believe? Now look at him and say, you practice daily what you really believe. Everything else is just religious rhetoric. <laughs> Amen. These signs will follow them who believe. Jesus said, in my name, in my authority, in my power that I've delegated unto you as a believer, in my name, you'll cast out devils. First thing, you'll speak with new tongues. Second thing, interesting. Do we get people delivered from demons? Or do we want to get them filled with the Holy Ghost right away in the present day church? We love to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. But just come on down here, brother. Yeah, yabba dabba do. Rondi, rondi, tie my bow tie. You got it. You got it. That's good. That's tongues. Okay? But then, you know, they're still living like a devil. Wonder if they got baptized in lemon juice, right? Okay? Hold them down longer. You'll find out. They'll have an encounter with Jesus about three minutes under the water. Okay, that's not good doctrine. Okay? But here's the point. If we would cast the demons out of people first after they get born again it'd be easy to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. You wonder why it's tough to get some people filled with the Holy Ghost? Because there's too many other spirits in there. Stepping on some toes tonight. Hope you brought your steel-toed boots. Amen or ouch? Don't get mad at me. Get mad at the devil speaking on your shoulder. Okay, here's the deal. Some facts, general facts about demons. I know the Bible can't have that much about it because we don't talk that much about it, right? <coughs> general facts about demons. Bear with me as I just read this little bit of a snippet on this page. On this page. On this page. On this page. Okay, we're going to read a snippet. By the way, on DavidHerobedian.com, you ought to be able to like Google it. David Herobedian, Dealing with Demons. A teaching will come up. You can click it. You can read it on a virtual book. 
You can download it. It's free. It's free. Or you can go on Kindle and hear by hearing God 25 different biblical ways or on the subject of tongues. Those are 99 cent downloads. Okay. Or you can get them off my site for free. We like to make everything available for free. And we also like to make it available so you can help further the gospel. General facts about demons. They are called devils, Mark 16, 17. Familiar spirits, Leviticus 26. Unclean spirits, Mark 1, 27. Evil spirits, Luke 7, 21. And seducing or deceitful spirits in 1 Timothy 4, 1. Hmm, not a bad beginning. They are subject to, must obey Christ, and subject to, must obey blood-washed believers in Christ. They submit to the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Mark 8, 16, 12, 28, Mark 16, 17, Luke 10, 17, Acts 19, 15. Thousands of them can enter in and take possession of one man at the same time. How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? How many demons can enter a person? I don't know. Just get demon free and don't worry about it. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? Thousands of them can enter into and take possession of one man at the same time as in the case of the demoniac of Gadara who was possessed by an entire legion up to 6,000 demons in Mark 5, 1 through 11. And I believe that was Jesus who cast that out. Anybody know Jesus? He's the guy that came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Who sent him? God the Father. Interesting. They're in connection with doing what? destroying the works of the devil. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus Christ comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. If you're a representative of Jesus, a carrier of his glory, you will clean out the old and make way for the new, and you will cast out demons with your word. Now, I want to say this. We talked about the ways to get rid of mice or rats in a house. There's a number of ways to get rid of evil spirits. And I want to share this with you. There's the law of gravity. It is a law. It is a fixed law, correct? If you step off a building, do you go up or down? Down. Down, unless you're the right brothers, and then what happens? <laughs> you fly. Okay, so there's the law of gravity. There's also the law of avionics, right? So one law can supersede another law, just like the law of sin and death is superseded by the law of life in Christ, right? So, when we talk about casting out demons, we're doing something that's a spiritual law, it's biblical, and it's something that Jesus not only approved of, presented, role model, did, but he also commanded us also to do. Amen. Right? Jesus never commissioned anybody in Scripture that he didn't also empower to cast out demons. It was part of the Great Commission. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, because I think we need to establish this. And I want to say that there's a lot of ways to get people delivered. Sometimes the truth of God's word comes in and all of a sudden by faith they get a revelation. They're like, oh my gosh, and the demons just have to leave. Other times they're strongholds, generational curses. This is a vast subject. So we're just scratching the surface. Go online, get the book and read that and then get into the real book, the word of God, and begin to read what Jesus did what he said and what he role modeled and then he taught and empowered the disciples to go do and say and teach and role model so that they could pass on truth down to the generations so that we could do teach and role model it's not a new gospel is it sometimes we have a hole in our gospel we need to get back to the basics you know why Larry Bird was such a great basketball player Some people here are too young to remember Larry Bird. He was a white dude, okay? He could play some ball. Okay? Here's the deal. Larry was good because he did the fundamentals. 
After a game, he'd go shoot 100 free throws. After a professional game, time to go shoot 100 free throws. Fundamentals is what made him great. He was good, but he wasn't great until he began to do refund. What makes Christians good versus great? Is it giftedness? Shooting stars. I'm going to tell you what, I got some friends that are not that gifted by God, but my goodness, they got the fundamentals down. I love being around them. I've got some other people, associates, acquaintances, people I've met in the kingdom, highly gifted, but won't do the fundamentals. They can be dangerous. <laughs> I'd rather be in the foxhole with somebody who's not highly gifted but has character and knows the fundamentals, gets in the Word, spends time in prayer, pays their tithes unto the Lord, goes out and shares the Gospel, than somebody who can cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, and prophesy accurately, but has no footing in other areas. And some days you wonder whether they're prophesying or they're prophesying. Amen or ouch? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, Everton. The law of gravity is a fixed law, but it's superseded by a higher law, the law of aviation. The principle or the doctrine of casting out demons can be superseded by the glory of God falling. If you've ever been in a service, where the Shekinah glory of God rolls in and that tangible presence, demons start coming out of people. They start screaming. Nobody has to cast the demons out. Nobody has to preach the gospel. God just comes in and does a work. Amen. Normally for that to happen, people have to be praying and fasting for some time, believing for a move of God. Or they have to be in relationship with the Lord in that celestial realm and come out of that celestial realm into the natural realm and bring Him with them. Somebody else has paid the price for you to be set free at a higher level because that person or those people are like eagles in the faith that the law of gravity doesn't affect. They walk in that love, that joy, and that peace. It's like water off a duck's back, the circumstances of life. Are you one of those people? Are you a carrier of His glory and anointing? Are you still trying to get the devil to sleep off your shoulder at 3 a.m. when the Holy Spirit woke you up for prayer? General facts about demons. If you haven't learned how to bring in and usher in the glory of God yet to where the Holy Spirit just does it, then start at the basic law of gravity and go back to casting them out. With his word. Peter's shadow healed the sick and cast out yes. devils. Jesus said, greater works will you do than I because I go to the Father. He said, the works that I do, you shall do also. Greater work. Wait a second. Jesus never cast out demons with his shadow. But Jesus in Peter did. It's time that I might decrease, that he might increase, that they might see him instead of me. These are untrained and ignorant men. Is what the Pharisees, you know, the well-schooled, said about the ignorant and unlearned men. But they said, but we know that these men 
have been with Jesus. Why did they know they'd been with Jesus? Were they carrying a special been with Jesus token in their pocket? Did they have I love Jesus little bracelets on? Maybe on the back of their camel there was a fish. <laughs> Maybe it says, follow me to the first church of the frozen chosen. <laughs> they knew they'd been with Jesus because the same character, the same power, the same anointing that was on him that perplexed people, that made them so convicted of their religiosity that they wanted to kill him. The world loved Jesus. The religious church hated him. When you really start to operate under the anointing, it will drive demons to the surface in people. You can see them pop up in their eyes and look at you. They like look right out the window. They'll come up to the eyes. I'll be talking to somebody and I'll be bring up. I'll start telling a testimony about the goodness of God. They'll be like. All of a sudden, I'll be like, oh, there's one. I'll just keep on preaching. And I'll be like, hey, so you've been set free? Come out in the name of Jesus. But you know, sometimes they don't want to let them go. You can cast a demon out of one person, it'll grab them by the ankles and pull them back home. You know? Facts about demons. Psychology normally recognizes three main elements that are associated with the concept of personality. These three elements are known as knowledge, will, and emotions. It is important to see that all these three elements of personality are found in the New Testament picture of demons. Demons possess knowledge. In Mark 1.24, the demon and the man in the synagogue at Capernaum said to Christ, demons can speak, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In Acts 19.15, the evil spirit in the man in Ephesus said to the seven sons of Siva, Jesus I know, acknowledge, and Paul I know, know about, but who are you? I had a demon say that to me one time. True story. I went back to prayer and fasting. Demons possess will. In Matthew 12.44, the unclean spirit who has gone out of the man but can find no place of rest says, I will... Return to my house from which I came. In Luke 8, 31, the demons in the man of Gadareans displayed very strongly their will not to be cast out into the abyss, but rather to be allowed to enter into the swine. Demons also have emotion. They're emotional fellows. Have you been emotional lately? Sanctify those emotions. So, demons possess emotion in James 2, 19. We're having fun, aren't we? We read, even the demons believe and tremble. You shouldn't be afraid of demons. They ought to be afraid of you. Light is greater than darkness. preaching in Africa. Got 15 Muslims surround him. 150,000 souls have already been won to Christ in a village of 260,000. Witch doctors, Muslims, miracle signs and wonders are happening. I'm talking about last month, okay? 15 Muslims with machetes, knives, and billy clubs show up. You don't stop this and leave immediately. We will kill you. Now, what do you think inspired them to say that? Was that the love of God? Hmm. Those that are led by the Spirit 
What should we do? Let's go kill a Christian. Hmm. Oh, that's good. The Apostle Paul was out killing Christians too, thinking God, thinking he was doing God a service, wasn't he? What do you think inspired him? <coughs> Israel says to them, he says, if I were to, I spoke with Israel today, I asked more about the story. If I were to die, it would be the greatest glory, for I would be instantly with my Lord Jesus Christ. That's the boldness of the Lord. Yeah. See, we're not afraid of demons. Demons are afraid of us. In the book of Acts, they were hiding from the religious church, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, after Jesus had been crucified. And the, the 120 were in the upper room in a 10-day prayer meeting, hiding because they were afraid of the world. But once they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they came out. Hallelujah. They came out. They weren't afraid of the world. In Acts chapter 5, they hung out in Solomon's porch. And it says, No man would dare join themselves to them, but all men revered them. They feared them. Amen. See, here's what happens when you really get filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't fear anybody anymore. They fear you. Because it's not you they fear. It's what's in you. The Holy Ghost. And greater is He in you than He that's in the world. So Israel says to him, he says, if I were to die, it would be the greatest glory. I would be instantly with my Lord Jesus Christ. He says, but it is neither my time nor my hour to die. I have been sent here to win souls for Christ. He said, and if you ask around, Three people that were witch doctors that opposed the gospel are dead. He says, but I am still alive. He says, I will continue to preach here. I will not leave. But if you dare try to harm me, you will die. And he wasn't wheeled in a six shooter. He had the power of God's angels with him. So I said to him today when he called, I hadn't heard from him in 12 days. I said, Israel, I said, repeat that story. And there was somebody there. I put him on the phone. I said, what's the, the status of those 15 men? He said, David, he said, the man who was the leader of those Muslims that came to kill me, he said, he came back later on, a few days later after the Crusades continued on. And he wanted to speak with me. He said, what did you mean it would be the greatest glory for me to kill you? He says, I spent 30 minutes explaining to him the gospel. He repented and received Jesus. Amen. And he is now a Christian. I said, what about the other 14? He says, they are now threatening to kill him. See, they don't join Christianity as a social club like we do in America. So we can get a discount coupon card to get the free coffee with the fifth purchase. <laughs> I mean, it's life or death. They understand the difference between heaven and hell. You wear a cross around your neck because it's flattering. It's a nice piece of jewelry to accentuate your outfit. It's a nice accoutrement. Or do you wear it because it's a symbol that you're willing to die for his name? Satan's agents, Mark, Matthew 12, 24, they can enter into human beings and animals, such as the 2,000 swine that ran down the hill and drowned after Jesus set the man free in the legion 
Mark 5.9, demons know their eternal fate of being cast into the lake of fire. They fear God. James 2.9, they wage war against God's people. Ephesians 6.10, they recognize those who have power over them. Acts 19.13, they have unique personalities. Luke 8.26, they have more than ordinary intelligence. Matthew 8.29, don't think they're dumb. They've been playing with a damn man for 6,000 years. You've only been here for 60 or 70 years. Or 20 years. Or 30. Okay, 87. I see you back there. So, it's still sharp as a tack, I might add. Here's the point. Don't underestimate them. At the same time, don't overpower them. Don't give them more power than they really have. They are disembodied spirits that seek to enter a body to express themselves in the earth. Matthew 12, 43. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 12, 43. And by the way, and when he had called unto his disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. The first thing Jesus did when he called the twelve was he gave authority to cast out devils. Mark, or Luke chapter 9, I'm just going to go through some things real quick. Luke chapter 9, because you're called to cast out devils. If not, you're called to be a house for them. Okay, then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure disease. And he sent them out to preach the gospel, the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. Luke 10, 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So it wasn't just the 12 that had it, the 70 had it. Anytime you get truly commissioned by God, you're going to have authority to cast out devils. It's biblical. It's Bible basics. This is Christianity 101, for goodness sakes. How did you skip it? Who advanced you and didn't found you in the fundamentals? Time to go back to basics. It's a whole lot easier to do the other stuff when you're free. And whom the Son sets free is free. And how do you get free? You shall know the truth. And the truth. What are we hearing tonight? Repeatedly, verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. You know what? I get so many calls from people. Well, this happened and that happened. I'm like, repent. Well, no, no, I just want you to pray for me. I don't, you know. I'm like, well, repent. And then the Lord will show me what they've done in the Spirit, and I'll, I'll bring it up. They'll be like, uh, 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 I didn't tell you about that. I'm like, Holy Spirit did. He knows. Well, it's not that easy to stop. You need deliverance so you can now make a choice on whether you want to be free. See, deliverance isn't the answer to your problems. It gets you a redo to start afresh. Now you can go back into the mire and get some hitchhikers on you again. Or you can stay free. Amen. Amen. And there's no condemnation. God just wants to set you free and move forward, right? Right. For even the demons are subject to us in your name. But here's what Jesus said. I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And he said, Nevertheless, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits or demons are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I hated the devil so much, I hated the devil more than I loved God when I first got saved. And God put a deliverance anointing on me, oh my gosh, it was wild. 
Sometimes it will still come on me, but it's a diminished gift right now. But if I get into a miracle anointing, well, those demons just start coming out like that because God's ready to move. But I used to walk across a prison compound and demons would speak out of people's mouths at me. Because there was an anointing on me that threatened the demons that drove like people that are doing drugs in a house. They're paranoid. When they see a cop go by, they're putting their stuff away. Okay? Because they have authority to arrest them. When you're a Christian who has the authority to arrest a demon, to apprehend that thing and to cast it out with your word, they'll manifest and a war starts. They'll start shooting at you before you shoot at them. They'll tell on themselves. They'll just tell on themselves. Sometimes somebody will say something to me, I'll be like, name yourself. Sometimes I miss it. They're like, Bill. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember your name now, Bill. Yeah. At the time, it'll be like, envy, lust, murder. I'll be like, I bind you murder in the name of Jesus. I command you to cease and desist in your operations in Bill's life, and I command you to come out. And they'll shake their head. I'll know it's not them. Now it's, it's all in like Donkey Kong. Now it's wartime. Okay? <laughs> See, here's the thing. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Here's the deal. Principalities and powers in the heavenly realms, talking about the second heaven, we don't cast those out. Because they're not in anybody. You've got to displace them through intercession, preaching the gospel, people repent, and they no longer have authority over the region. But demons you don't wrestle with. You cast them out with your word. Quick story. There was a man. He was an evangelist. Big crowd, he's preaching the gospel, highly anointed, and there's a demon that starts to manifest in the congregation. An immature or a young or a non-seasoned minister would be distracted from the real purpose of preaching the gospel so people can hear the word and get saved. And he would think, oh wow, there's a demon, let me go deal with it. Okay, that's an exhibitionist. You don't ever let the gospel stop to go deal with a demon unless it furthers the gospel as a sign or a wonder with an evangelistic result. So he's preaching the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And a demon starts to manifest. A demon will come to distract you from the real purpose at hand. And if you do cast the demon out, it'll be waiting for him in the parking lot on their car when they get back. Good to see you. Oh, we did some good work together. Really distracted them, didn't we? Let me get back inside. No problem. Come on in. So he says... Somebody take that man back. I'm preaching the gospel. Go get him delivered and back. So they go and grab the demon. You know, making a big fuck. Big ruckus. <laughs> wow. Come out in the name of Jesus. Big, big, big ruckus. Big, making a big ruckus. And here's what happens. I had to take that off the CD, huh? Wow. I don't even use that word. <laughs> Yeah. Edit, edit, edit. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so here's the deal. Making a big ruckus, right? And so they take him back there and he ends up preaching the gospel. People end up getting saved. Praise God for liberty. I know you've never used that word. Come out, you lying devil. Okay, so, so here's what happens. So making a big ruckus, take him in the back room. And he's back, back on the platform. Anyway, ends up preaching. A couple thousand people come to Christ. People are getting healed and set free and delivered in the whole nine yards. And uh, so the service is over. It's two hours later. So, you know, he's kind of worn out. He's, he's leaving and he hears people saying, come out of him in the name of Jesus. You know, I'm thinking, what's going on? 
So he goes back there. There's 20 plus pastors around this guy with a demon. It's the same guy. It's two hours later. And he walks up. He says, what is going on? He says, well, you told us to cast the demon out and we couldn't get him out, so we kept on asking more pastors to come. He says, there's got to be 20, 25 of you. And they've got the man and they're holding him. He's frothing at the mouth and a couple of guys are kind of beat up from the elbows and the whole nine yards. And yeah, he's knocked us down. He's got supernatural strength. And he said, let him go. And they said, no, you don't understand. He said, let him go. Let him go now. So they let him go and he began to walk toward the man. And as he began to walk toward the man, the man didn't move. As he began to walk toward the man, he walked right up to him and he said, Boo! Instantly, the power of God hit the man. The man fell out under the power. The demon came out. The man was filled with the Holy Spirit began to praise God, put his hands up in the air, and he was free from that demon spirit. So they said to the man the same thing that the disciples said to Jesus. Why couldn't we cast him out? We pled the blood of Jesus. We spoke the word of God. We proclaimed and rebuked. And this is what the man said. And they said, and all you did was walk up and say, boo. And he came out. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the man said this. He said, without the anointing, they don't recognize you. He said, but when you're anointed, he says, they don't recognize this and that. And you can quote the word because it's dead. It's dead letter. It doesn't bring life. That which is spirit is spirit. That which is flesh is born after the flesh. The words that I speak unto you, Jesus says, they are spirit and they are life. He says, but when you're anointed and you're walking in relationship with the Lord, even the begats and the begots will cast out a demon. It's not how many words you know, it's how much of Jesus you know and the word that comes out. Here's the illustration. When a Roman soldier is fighting with an opponent or an enemy, he will take his sword and they'll bash, clash. They've got armor on and maybe they'll swing that sword to the side and it will hit the man but it will bounce off his armor. And you know what? You can beat up a guy pretty good with a, with a long sword even though you may not cut him because he's got armor on. You might even glance one off his helmet and this and that. This is what Roman soldiers were taught to do. They were taught to fight like this. Instead of, you know, the stuff we see on TV that looks good? That's not the way they did it. They did it like this. They might have done that until they could get one of these. They thrust through the person. And see, they might be able to take 20 or 30 of these. But they can't take more than one of these. And so that's the difference when you quote the word apart from the anointing. It's the Logos word. It glances off the enemy. He feels the blow. But when you have a rainbow word from God, <laughs> legion come out of him. That's why you have to have the gifts of the Spirit Amen. and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nature of demons, they are evil. Judges 9.23. They're intelligent and wise, 1 Kings. They're powerful, Mark 5. They are not angels. 
They are not human. If they were, they could not possess men and be cast out into dry places, Matthew 10. They have knowledge, Mark, Matthew 8, 29. They have feelings. I can tell you some stories. Big, tough demons, rough, gruff voice. I will come out. You have no authority. You get a word of knowledge about how they came in. All of a sudden, please don't cast me out. Please don't cast me out. They start to beg. And it's true. You haven't had these experiences. Ask the Lord to set you up some divine appointments for ministry. He will give you on-the-job training. This is just an overview to learn some academic truth. The real school is out there. That's right. And if you're not going to school out there, thank you for warming a pew in here. It's good. But Jesus said, go into all the church and sit on a pew. (laughs) You know what I think that is to him? Pew. He wants you to be down here making a ruckus. They have false doctrines to deceive believers and non-believers. 1 Timothy 4.1 They have their own wills, Matthew 12. They have miraculous powers, Revelation 13. They have emotions, Acts 8.7 And desires, Matthew 8.31 They influence, demonize, and or possess people and cause numerous negative effects. Would you like to hear the laundry list? Dumbness and deafness, Matthew 9. Blindness, Matthew 12. Grievous vexation, Matthew 15. Insanity and mania, Matthew 4. Oh, let's just lock them up in an insane asylum. Let's get them on Prozac. Thor- Thorazine. Prolixin. Cast the devil out of them. And if you can't, pray and fast until you get the anointing or wisdom on how to do it. How bad do you want them set free? Oh, you were willing to sit with them at the medical doctors for two hours waiting for a doctor who would come prescribe them something that wouldn't do anything but mask the symptoms. You were willing to loan them money for the copay. You were even willing to talk with them for hours and hours about their problems over the phone. Why don't you hang up the phone, get in prayer, get a word from heaven and come back, call them back and say, come out! Or just, boo! <laughs> Many problems could be solved if we do this. You know, the Bible way. Amen. B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. Okay, insanity and mania. Convulsions, Mark 9, 20. Lust. No, there's nobody with that problem. 844. Counterfeit worship. God doesn't care how you worship as long as you're worshiping. Counterfeit worship, Leviticus 17.7, Deuteronomy 32.17, 2 Chronicles 11.15, Psalms 106.37, 1 Corinthians 10.20, and Revelation 9.20. Only about five or six scriptures on that matter alone. (laughs) Error, 1 John 4.6. Sickness and disease, Matthew 4, 23 and 20. Torments, Matthew 4.23. Lying. When people can look you right in the eye, and lie to you that's beyond just a human ability when they have no concern and no remorse I just recently dealt with a deal in business the person became such a masterful liar masterful 
And when caught and confronted on his lies, adjusted, made excuse. Well, let, well, I've got the text messages. They're right here. Well, let's call him and see what... Well, oh, that, they were supposed to call. Well, let, then they must have called. We'll call and see if they... Just one thing after another. Ducking, shucking, jiving. Moving, avoiding. Casting the... The shadow furthest from itself, creating diversions of smoke and mirrors to dissuade people's attention from the real issues of hand. Sound like political candidates. <laughs> Come out! <laughs> In the name of Jesus. And I'm not talking about one party or another, I'm talking about them all. Not the only truth we can get is on a football team lately. God bless Tim Tebow. Amen. No seminary training. Listen to the commentators. He's got no NFL training either. Seems to be working somehow. He can't pass. Oh, 316 yards. John 316. The playoff. See, God will take the weak and the beggarly elements of the world to confound the wise. Well, he can't throw. Well, I guess he can throw. He can't run. Well, I guess he can. Well, he can't do this. You know what I heard the commentator say? We just can't figure it out. There's no explanation. There's no algorithm on this guy. I just throw up my hands. I cannot figure it out. Well, didn't you say last week? Oh, yeah, I did. How about the week before? Yeah. Well, how about... One of them said this on national TV. He said, if he can win this game in the last 10 minutes and turn this around, I'll speak in tongues on national television. He wasn't even a Christian. He got on TV. God bless him. He got on there, he did the best he could. He wasn't born again or filled with the Holy Ghost. But he just like, Okay, I did it. <laughs> you know, would you rather have him as a role model for your children than some of the others that are much smoother and articulate in speech? Come on! Ten facts about demons. We can glean a great deal of information about these disembodied spirits from Jesus' teaching in the Gospels. And we're going to close. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through dry, arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept and clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, New International Version. The above passage reveals ten facts about demons. One, they are evil. Verse 24. They can go out and come into the bodies of men. Verse 24 through 26. Just like you go out of your house and come back. Because you've got a key. Does someone have your key? They have a key to your back door? Key to your garage? They got your code key? Hey, you want a little something of this? Maybe that's your key. Okay, come on in. They can seek comfort, verse 24. They can talk, verse 24. They make their own decisions, verse 24. They can distinguish between different places, verse 24 through 26. They seek fellowship and company with each other. Who are you hanging out with? If you're comfortable with people on fire with God, then you're on fire with God. If you're not comfortable with people on fire with God, they make you uncomfortable, turn up the heat. Burn those other things up out. 
<laughs> they are wicked, verse 26, and they seek control of men. We could go on and on, but I don't think we need to. These services are for two things. One, to bring an awareness of what's going on so that we can go study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. These are to provoke you to thought. These are to give you scriptures to go search to see if these things are so. And if they are, if they are, if they are, if they are, And if they aren't, then I encourage you to get either a razor blade or a nice healthy pair of scissors and cut out 25% of what Jesus did in the Gospels. Because this is not a history book, it's the Word of the Living God. And we start to do things the Bible way, we'll get Bible results. When we do it the church way, we get church results. Are you tired of church results? Amen. Yes. Or do you want to hear testimonies where 170,000 people in a village of 260,000 come to Christ yes. in demonstration of the Spirit and of power yes. with all the gifts of the Spirit in operation? Yes. Yes. Where people who've never spoken English suddenly become fluent in English and can write. The video footage is coming. Where... A woman who's so possessed with demons and high-level witchcraft that we, she can put incantations on people and kill them. And had been doing it in the village for five years. The power of God comes on her, on her chest, presses her down, picks her up five feet above the ground and carries her in front of the people to the altar and dumps her at the altar of repentance. No. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And she begins to vomit up black foam as demons come up out of her. And she begins to confess Christ and begins to name the people that she killed with witchcraft the last five years. And the next night she comes back with four in her coven that she was training up in the dark ways of Satan. And they give their lives to Christ. Instead, we want to argue over the color of the carpet in America or whether Adam had a belly button being the first man. From a prisoner. I opened it up. I started to read it. Dear David, I just finished an article that you wrote about Christian unity. First, before you think I have a difference of opinion or an argumentative spirit, let me be very clear of this. Twelve pages. Come out! Come out! In the name of Jesus. Like, I want to read 12 pages of that before I preach on this. Let me not be argumentative about Christian unity. Wait a second. Jumbo shrimp. I'm not fooled. I know. I know what spirit that is. Now, do I really want to deal with the apologetics argument with my day and write back to one of two million of my brothers that are in prison in America, the highest per capita incarceration rate in the world, we are number one. Mm. (laughs) 
Or do I want to spend more time praying for him that God might set him free or my God might give me a word of knowledge about what's really going on? Here's the thing. When you go to chop down a tree, we've got a man here who owns a tree company. There's two types of way you can chop down a tree. You can trim a tree. Or you can go to the root and take the whole thing down. The apologetics arguments, they trim the trees. This argument and that argument. But they never deal with the root. And guess what? People don't really get better. Because when you trim a tree, what happens? It grows back. All you did was prune it for growth. If it's a bad root, chop it down. John the Baptist laid the axe at the root. Come out in the name of Jesus. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Prayer for deliverance. And just so you know, there's four little steps. How to be set free. Whether it's pornography, drugs, gambling, homosexuality, heterosexuality outside the bonds of marriage, or some other sin that has you, a friend, or a loved one bound, there are four simple steps to be set free from demonization. The demon influence, torment, vexation of the devil and his minions, they are simple to remember and easy to apply, simple to remember, because they all start with the letters R-E. You're ready to write them down. You can remember these, they'll work for you every time. Why? Because they're biblical. Recognize. You know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, the first thing you got to do is admit you got a problem. And God bless the 12-step program. God uses it for people to find Jesus. But if you don't find Jesus, it's just another program that deals with the branches. Because the root is a sin issue. Praise God for the 12-step program, but I love the one-step Holy Ghost program. Because it goes to the root. Recognize. First thing you have to do is recognize you have a problem. Recognize you're being influenced by the enemy. The Bible says, for we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. If necessary, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed or set free. Remember, any believer can cast out devils in Jesus' mighty name. So get together with somebody say, look, I need you to pray with me so I can be free. And when you confess your faults one to another, it's no longer hidden between just you and God and you, God, and the devil. Are you, God, and your computer? Confession is good for the soul. But make sure you tell somebody who's going to be confidential. Otherwise, they'll use it against you. You know why? Because they might have a devil too. (laughs) Get around somebody who's filled with the love of God, who has long-term character, who's going to cover your sin, wash it away in the blood of Jesus, and walk with you with accountability out of that matter. They say about 15% of the church is free. The other 85% is still influenced and bound. If you don't believe that statistic is true, look at the computers of America. Look at the text messages of America. Look on the bookshelves in people's homes. Look at the channels people have been watching. And I will tell you, if a person was really free, would they be drawn to that type of stuff? And can you be drawn to that type of stuff and not get influenced and get some hitchhikers. You walk into a bar, it's smoky. You're not a smoker. Hold on. 
You're there for two hours. You leave the bar. You're going to smell like smoke. I used to come home. I never smoked. But I'd be around people. That, I did a lot of other things. Okay? Praise God, Jesus set me free. And continues to set me free. From grace to grace, glory to glory. But I come home, my mother's like, you been smoking? No, I haven't been smoking. I smell smoke on you. See, it's about association, who you hang out with. And if you lay down with dogs, you're going to get flea collars? No, you're going to get fleas. Unless you go in with a flea collar on. Then the fleas are going to run. Satan's called Beelzebub, which is Lord of the Flies, or Lord of the Dung Pile. Where do, where do flies hang out? Around stuff. Where do angels hang out? Around righteousness. You want more angelic activity in your life? Move more toward God. You want more of that other activity in your life? Hang out with people. Okay. Recognize. Step two. Whoops. Step two. This is, this is a classic one. Repent! John the Baptist had a great ministry. His whole message was one word. Repent! We got all this flowery speech. Repent is this. It's a military term. You're walking one direction. And it's repent. It means about face. It's it's turned from sin and to the Lord, not from coke to heroin. Not from fornication to pornography. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. It also means to return to the highest place. I used to live in the penthouse of this this apartment building. Beautiful. Beautiful view. Penthouse means the top floor. Where do you live? Oh, I live in the penthouse. Oh. Wasn't anymore. Just more more stories to go up. I had to do over with I'd probably live on the first floor, you know? <laughs> Makes sense. Let's see. So repent means to return to the highest place with God. It's the goodness of God that leads us to the highest place with God. The goodness of God leads us to repentance, Romans 2.4. The goodness of God leads us to an about face to return to the highest place with God. Repentance isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's where we connect with God back on the mountain and we get free and we come back and there's joy in our hearts. There's no condemnation. God doesn't care how we got bound. He just wants to set us free. He's saying today about faith. Recognize you're going the wrong direction. Turn around. Turn from that and turn to me. Don't run from me. Run to me. I'm the only one, he says, who can set you free. Religion will cause you to have do's and don'ts and performance, and you'll never succeed. Relationships just says, I'll accept you how you are. I love you just the way you are. Just come to me. Son, daughter, let me set you free. 
I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to leave you in this condition. I have to read this verse. It's going to set someone free. Will you bear with me while somebody gets set free amongst us, one of our brothers or sisters, or me? Mm. It's in Zechariah. Somebody's going to get Which seems to have disappeared out of my Bible. It has just reappeared. Zechariah chapter 3. You're going to get set free right here. This is good. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you clean yourself up and go to God? If you could clean yourself up and go to God, you wouldn't need Him. That's like cleaning your car and washing it and then taking it to the car wash and having them clean it. It's just not, it doesn't even make sense. You know, sometimes our house was so dirty before the cleaning person would come, we'd clean it up so we weren't embarrassed when the cleaning person arrived. It didn't make sense. Right? Nobody's ever done that in here, have they? Okay. Zechariah chapter 3. Here it is. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing in his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments. You're going to get set free. From him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused. God has caused his iniquity to pass from him and I will clothe him with the change of raiment. What did this person do? Anything or did God do the work? God did the work, didn't he? Isn't that liberating? My gosh, that's even Old Testament under the law. Wow. How much more under grace? And I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk... See, deliverance cleans you. Amen. Then it's your choice to walk in it. But you don't clean yourself up. You come as you are. He sets us free. And then he says, If you will walk in my ways and if you will keep my commandments, then you will also judge my house. You can be in the filthiest sin one minute and God will then raise you up out of deliverance, put on clean garments. And you want to know what will happen? Religious people get angry that you got free and forgiven. New Testament, what happened? Remember the prodigal son? His brother was angry. How are you going to kill the fatted calf? How are you going to kill the fatty calf for him? He never did it for me. How are you going to give him the American Express black card? <laughs> he blew all the money. He gave him the signet ring of authority. What are, you, what are you doing? You gave him shoes to wear. He needs to be with the... He needs to start back in the mail room first, Dad. Let him work his way up, earn his way back in. No, that's not what grace does. It just washes it away and throws it into the sea of forgetfulness and puts up the sign that says no fishing. Okay. Recognize you've got a problem. Repent, turn from it. And the third thing, renounce it. I renounce that thing. I'm not doing it again by the power of the Holy Spirit that is now within me. 
So don't just recognize and repent. You have to break ties with it. To clean it off your computer. Clean it out of your electronic phone book. Clean it out of your music cabinet. Maybe I'll sell it at a garage sale. Why? So somebody else can get bound? Think about, well, maybe we'll make a little money. We'll use it for the kingdom. Good, we just got ten of them bound. We can get one set free. That's not good math. Burn it. Throw it away. Destroy it. And the final thing is, resist. Because the enemy will come back. He'll come knocking on your door. Can I come back in? I'm sorry. I'm so- I won't do it again. I'll be good. I'm sorry. Get out. Live right. Jesus will accept you back just the way you are, but I won't. I'm not talking about me and you in a Christian setting. I'm talking about you in a relationship. Because unless you've, that person has repented, let me ask you a question. If you were a father or a mother and your daughter was connected to somebody that was unhealthy for her, and they'd have beaten her and abused her. If you didn't go to lay hands on them for healing, right? In one easy visit. Sorry, we used to do things a different way. Literally laying on hands. So, and that person hadn't repented, would you want that person near your daughter? No. Then why would God restore your relationship with a spouse if you haven't repented. See, these are hard words. But if that person had repented and they were washed and clean and were walking, God, you would love for that young man or that to come. You see, you see the difference? It's all about recognizing, repenting, renouncing, and resisting. And God will restore to you the years that the canker worm and the locust and the palmer worm and the caterpillar have eaten. Stand with me, if you will. I'm not going to have you re- repeat this out loud, but if you're in agreement, acknowledge it, and you can mouth words, whatever you want to do. Here's a prayer for deliverance. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's the, the key element is knowing Him. That's when you're on good ground. You're not just going from one false God to another. You're going to the living God. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I believe and proclaim that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was buried in the tomb and three days later rose from the dead. That's the gospel. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for me in prayer. By His work on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, He purchased my freedom from the devil and all his demons. God has promised that if I confess my sin, He's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, including all demons and demon bondage. By faith right now, I take God at His word and I confess my specific sins. And you can take a moment silently to insert your sins by confessing them under your breath or silently before the Lord and just say, I confess blank and blank and blank.
I confess. Confess as many things that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind now. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Mm -hmm. It's amazing how you just bring things into your mind. Sometimes they're little bitty things and you don't think they're much, but there's something to Him because He's wanting to take you to the next level and just set you free. He's knocking sandbags off your balloon so you can rise higher in the heavenlies. He wants to take you out of the law of gravity into the law of aviation and fly above it. Jesus, I accept Your absolute Lordship over my life, over my spirit, soul, and body right now. Like You did for Joshua in the book of Zechariah, Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And any and all spirits of unrighteousness that receive permission by my actions to enter my life, deliver me now. I accept this deliverance that you're doing for me, not by my own power, but by the power of your Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' all-powerful name, the name that's above every name. Satan, I command you to depart from me and my family and my bloodline for now and forever in Jesus' name. Lord, grant us the armor of God, the wisdom of God, and the gifts of the Spirit that we might be spiritually discerning in these matters, that we might continue to walk in repentance to return to the highest place with you, that we might walk on the mountaintops with you, and when you tell us to come down into the valleys, that the glory of God will come, that we might move from the law of gravity to the law of aviation and bring the glory to release the shadow that you gave to Peter during his ministry in life, that demons might come out, people might be saved, sick might be healed, and your kingdom might be established in the earth. In Jesus' name. And those in agreement said, Amen. Amen.